This is your travel radio podcast, dedicated to connecting you, the traveler, to travel professionals. You will hear from authors, destination specialists, linguists, CEOs, and travel advisors that can turn these experiences into your vacation of a lifetime. Questions, comments, suggestions? Please email info at travelradiopodcast.com. If you like what you are hearing, please leave us a review. Now, enjoy today's audio journey on the Travel Radio Podcast. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I just want to let you know what's happening on the show today and what you can expect. Today, my guest is Mark Murphy, and Mark, you may recognize from television or uh, you might recognize his voice from his own podcast, but Mark is the founder of TravelPulse.com, which is a media company that uh, caters to uh, people looking for information of what's happening in the world of travel and travel business. Uh, Specifically, he is on the program today to talk about his new website, which is TravFacts.org, and that, if you're typing it in, is T-R-A-V-F-A-C-T-S dot O-R-G, and you can find that in the show notes, and if you scroll to the bottom, there's a whole bunch of links this week, and it's it's in there. And the purpose of TravFacts.org is to set the record straight. When the media unfairly covers a travel destination, the things that Mark is specifically passionate about at this moment are Mexico and the Dominican Republic. And if you want to know whether you should travel there or not, you can get some uh, some kind of fact-checking there and also see lots of video of Mark's firsthand experience taking uh, film crews down to those destinations in order to show that people are still going and, you know, XYZ, don't believe everything you hear, fact check. One place you can do it, travfacts.org. The other things we're going to talk about are charities that Mark is putting his weight behind in order to offer relief to the Bahamas. We're going to talk about Brexit and what you need to know for the upcoming deadline, which is October 31st, deal, no deal, blah, blah, blah. We have links in the show notes for what you need to know in order to prepare yourself. It's kind of like everything is happening and nothing is happening. So just uh, check the resources in the show notes. You'll, you'll be able to find out uh, what's happening. And also there's a link to subscribe to a newsletter put out by the UK government that will update you on what the requirements and those things are as they come about. And lastly, oh, we talk about, <laughs> this is not part of the plan, but we talk about things people that things that might prohibit people from traveling to the United States based on some comments that people have said to me while living here in the UK. So we talk about, you know, come on down, come to the United States. It's wonderful and don't fear the things that you fear because it's a big country and it's amazing. And without any further ado, thank you Mark for being my guest and everyone enjoy this week of Travel Radio podcast. Check out the show notes loads and loads of links. Scroll to the bottom. Enjoy the show. See ya. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am pleased to welcome Mark Murphy to the program today. Mark is founder of TravelPulse.com. Mark, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Mark, would you take a moment to introduce yourself uh, and your role in the travel industry? 
Sure, sure. Um, I've been in the uh, travel trade slash B2B media space for uh, three decades. I started and founded a company right after the uh, 9-11 attack, attacks uh, back in 2001. About six months later, I formed a company, moved my family 120 miles south to the suburbs of Philadelphia from the suburbs of northern uh, of New York and southern Connecticut, and uh, bet, made a bet on travel agents, travel, and uh, the internet at the time when kind of everything was coming undone. Mm. And it was a contrarian bet, and it paid off because today we're the largest uh, travel trade media company in all of North America. We have operations in the U.S., in uh, uh, French-speaking Canada, English-speaking Canada, and actually we're in the process of launching Travel Pulse in Mexico and expanding uh-huh. down to Central and South America. So uh, it's been a great adventure, and it's because consumers are the ones who decide how they book travel, not the travel supplier, not the destination, not the online travel agency. And it's kind of interesting over the years to watch how that has evolved from if we build it, they will come to realizing that, no, that's not the case. They'll buy very cheap point-to-point airline tickets, cheap hotels hmm. on, you know, for two nights to go get away to, let's say, Paris for two nights if they know the hotel. But for the most part, consumers, when it comes to leisure travel, if they're spending any kind of money at all, then they're turning to professional travel agents for advice. Now, I don't know if people will recognize your voice, but they may recognize you from TV. Who has you on as a guest and why do they do that? Well, I, I, I'm pretty much a free agent when it comes to the TV networks, and I go on to provide commentary to world events, specific things that are happening in a marketplace, and sometimes on the lifestyle uh, side, like the Today Show, mm. it'll be more tied to what's happening, you know, the, you know, how a couple can get away in de-stress, and I'll be on with the psychologist, which I've done before, or I'll talk on CNN about the five best travel apps, but a lot of times... It's, you know, when negative news happens. So the current negative storm that we're just coming out of is this media hype and frenzy about the Dominican Republic and people, quote, mysteriously dying. Mm-hmm. And the irony is nobody's mysteriously dying. The things just happen. And if you've got, if you're overweight, uh, you've got an enlarged heart and you're on high blood pressure medicine and you push it too hard at your vacation, you could possibly die of a heart attack. And that's frankly what happened to a gentleman a year and a half ago, or approximately. And his wife was on a TV show last week or a week and a half ago now. Mm. And she was talking about how she thinks her husband was murdered. And then a cardiologist that was on the show said, no, nah, your husband's main artery, one of his main three arteries to his heart was blocked. Mm. He was, his heart was enlarged. He had all of this, you know, basically he was having all the signs of a heart attack and ultimately died, but they want to blame it on, You know, uh, he had a scotch three days earlier from his minibar. I mean, it's beyond ludicrous. Mm. And I try to push back on stupidity like that. But unfortunately, what they call the mainstream media has gotten out of control, sensationalizing things. And reporting is really picking up somebody else's non-fact-based story and then just changing a few words around and running it as if it's news. And it's unfortunate because it's significantly damaged tourism to the Dominican Republic for no reason whatsoever. Well, then let's roll right into your newest side project, which is travfacts.org. 
Um, you kind of gave yeah. us a little bit of a preview of what you guys do. So we just expand on that a little sure. bit. Yeah. So you asked what I do on TV. I try to push back on this uh, stupidity, right? And mm-hmm. these, uh, these anchors who are just reading from a teleprompter and they don't really know what's going on. They're being told by the producer that they're going to do the show. They have a three hour slot that morning, let's say on Fox and friends or whatever the heck it happens to be. Mm. And they're teeing it up. I'm the guest and I smack it back. Well, that's great, but I have to rely on them booking me, you know, them allowing me to come on and push back on some of the stupid statements and, you know, it's it's basically feast or famine. When there's a story breaking, I get a million calls. But then afterwards, everybody just moves on to the next story in TV because now Trump tweeted this or Brexit that, you know, or Boris this. And you got all this going on, all this noise. And the damage is still out there on thousands and thousands and thousands of websites, billions of pages of uh, of uh, content can be created around a story that's completely false. Mm. So we created this website called travfacts.org. And what we did was we went and we just picked 12 different articles from, you know, those famous travel journalists at places like Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that with great sarcasm. <laughs> I because heard it. <laughs> I think yeah, I think his name is EJ, and he's like, there was tainted alcohol to blame for what happened here. And and then in his own story, he says at the end, if you could even get that far, it's a regurgitation of other people's news. The guy's sitting at a desk somewhere. I doubt he's ever even traveled to the Dominican Republic, let alone had any facts. And at the end, he says, so is this the cause of it? Well, there's actually no evidence of that. And I'm thinking, well, then why the hell did you write the damn article? And that's what's so frustrating. And that's what Travfax is designed to do. And what I've been told numerous times now is the stories that we've done there, the videos that we've taken from those TV interviews and done a write-up about, all of those things have contributed to, in some cases, a travel agent sending a link and saying, you should read this before you cancel your destination wedding in, let's say, Punta Cana. Absolutely. And they read it and they go, oh, my God. And they send it to all of their guests and everyone who's freaking out goes, Oh, hold on. 3 million people went there from the U S so what? 8 million Americans in the last five years, mm. four years, really. And 13 people, 11 people, 20 in any given year die from natural causes while they're on vacation there that are Americans. Yeah. Um, that's the ratio you would see in good old any town USA any town, UK, you name sure. it. Yep. And that's the idea behind it. Well, yeah. And because it's just, I've had a couple of my clients, which I don't have that many because it's hard to plan travel with, you know, clients in California or something from the UK, but they've sure. refused to go to Mexico. Um, the DR is not um, as hard of a no. And I, I have pointed them to some of your articles that I'm thankful for them because, I mean, you're also talking about people's livelihoods at those resorts. And yeah, I, I just, I really like the idea of trapfacts.org. And, uh, if you are listening and we have listeners from all around the world, uh, just go ahead and check that out. And especially if you hear something that you think that doesn't sound right, or I just want to check that because you had travel plans or you, or it was on maybe your destination list, check it out. Or, I mean, Mark, is there a way they can contact you if they have questions or want something investigated? 
Yeah, I would say the smartest thing they should do is my um, social media handle is at Murphy Travels with an S, at Murphy Travels. Mm. Best thing to do is just direct message me, either Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page, et cetera. And, you know, it may take me a few days to get back to you, but I get back to everybody. Okay. And and that's also where I'll share a lot of uh, what's going on. And if I do a TV appearance before I'm doing it, I'll tweet that out. I'll put that out on Facebook. So just uh, just follow my page on Facebook or my Instagram, and uh, you, you'll get updates and all that good stuff. Great. Or well, Twitter, obviously. And then uh, before we get into today's topic, which is going to be UK travel, or I've been calling it Brexit, what the hexit, but... Um, <clears throat> Before we get mm-hmm. into that, you have a little charity going on. I don't want to say little charity, but you have some things that you're doing for Bahamas Relief. Can you tell us about that quickly? Yeah, so we set up a GoFundMe page uh, right as the devastation was impacting uh, the northern part of the Bahamas. A lot of people think of the Bahamas as a single place. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of islands, most of which were untouched. And mm. so the best charity a traveler can can provide is to book a vacation to the Bahamas. Mm. So they're open for business. We talked to the folks at Atlantis the day after the hurricane, and they were just like, yep, yeah, business as usual. Nothing's going on here mm. uh, other than just beautiful weather and calm seas, et cetera. The uh, GoFundMe, I don't know the latest number, but uh, the industry's been putting in small donations to it. And it's the uh, just if they just search the GoFundMe for Travel Pulse, they'll see that. And then I'm actually I haven't gotten the designs yet, but I'm waiting to get the actual T-shirts. And we're going to use uh, from my book Travel Forward. Uh, I choose, you know, I travel forward for the Bahamas, and it's going to have the logo and the lettering uh, for the Bahamas and Travel Forward with. Uh, made with the design of the Bahamian flag okay. is one design. Cool. And as soon as those are ready and I'm okay with the quality, hopefully it's this week, it should be this week, I'll put that out as well. And 100% of those purchases will go towards a um, – 100% of uh, profit from those purchases will go towards uh, Bahamas Relief. We're going to send it to the Red Cross of the Bahamas, and I believe it's Red Cross – uh, BahamasRedCross.org, I believe it, but you need to double check and make sure it's the official one because a lot of scams are out there. Oh, sure. Well, I will put links to all of those things in the show notes <clears> so <throat> people can just go to the uh, show webpage and just click right through to them. So I'll, uh, if you're looking for those things, I'll have it in the bottom of the, the show page. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. So let's talk UK travel, which I'm calling Brexit, what the heck Mark, let's talk. Yeah, I'm talking about inbound tourism to the UK mm-hmm. um, okay. and people being concerned about visas, um, the strength of the dollar, canceled flights, all these sort of things. So I think uh, what I'd like to start with, rather than saying, Mark, go, is, you know, there's this report out, it's, it's by um, visitbritain.org has one, and there's also ukinbound.org. And it pretty much shows there was an uptick in tourism over the summer, which is to be expected because kids are out of the school. But over the year, it was down. Um, and there's some there's some suspicion that it's because of fears of visas and that sort of thing. But for Americans, largely, that's not going to change. Do you have right. anything to add to that? Well, I mean, look at the, the, the thing that always amazes me is when I hear that 
Uh, I'll just give you an example. When when Trump got elected in the U.S., people said, oh, I'm not traveling to the United States because, you know, one person out of 330 million are, you know, is somebody you might not like. Um, I had to laugh because it was coming from people in Canada, you know, you know, some people from Europe. The biggest thing that drove that had nothing to do with politics or a politician's personality because it's so ridiculous because mm-hmm. we have an election every four years. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was driving it was the fact that the vacation to the U.S. just became 20, 30, 40 percent more expensive in the last few years for inbound to the U.S. and versus what it was. So it wasn't this high principled, I can't, I can't go there nonsense. It was really, eh, it's a lot more expensive. It used to be a really great deal. I love going to the U.S. because we know how great the U.S. is from a travel destination, how diversified mm. it is. Yeah. But that was a great excuse. Now, on the other side of the coin, from the U.S., there has never been a better time to travel to the U.K., to travel to virtually any country in the world. The, the world is on sale for Americans who are tied to the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar has been incredibly strong, even despite the efforts from the current administration to try to devalue it because it helps exports. So I won't get into the economics of it, but the bottom line is if you're a traveler in the U.S. and you're thinking of going to Europe, I'd be looking right now to lock in pricing and get my butt on a uh, a ticket and maybe book a river cruise, maybe just book a great land vacation all across the UK. I mean, there's so much to see and do, and it's 30% cheaper than it was five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's really nothing to do with the politics of today. It's really to do with the uh, economies of today. And I think that people vote with dollars primarily. The other high-minded sort of uh, spin is really just that. I think it's a lot of spin. Yeah. It feels like there's everything going on and also nothing. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. So, and, you know, if you go on any of the UK websites, especially the UK government website, they they say that, you know, for US travelers, there's an agreement that, you know, the same rules are going to apply essentially. And then for you, EU residents, it has to do with the deal or the no deal. And Mm -hmm. it looks like there's still going to be, you know, especially until it looks like uh, 2021. Let me see if I can get the dates here. People are using ID cards, EU nationals until 2021. You still have, you know, these, there's still provisions in place for you to come into the UK. And then after that, it looks like there's a restriction of three months without a visa. So I think really more of what's happening is for private sector employment and also for students, that's where the concern is. So I don't think that the right. English should fear coming as a tourist to the UK. Um, yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, uh, it's it's one of the safest countries in the world. It's got a lot of history. The history is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, your weather could be a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but for me, for me being of Irish descent, uh, clouds are uh, are beneficial. I like a cloudy day at the beach. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm probably not pretty. I was just at the New Jersey Shore yesterday. And it was a beautiful cloudy day, and I could actually go ha- go out and hang out, and it was wonderful. But no, it's it's one of those things. It's such a great destination. We do a lot of work with Visit Britain. Hmm. Um, there's a crazy guy named Carl who uh, works with Visit Britain, and uh, let's just say Carl. Um, when he was driving in the UK, 
and taking my video crew around several years back, uh, even though he's from there, yeah, he shouldn't have been given a license. Oh, my goodness. Um, it is crazy here. Yeah. Carl, know, if Carl listens to this, Carl, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, so we actually traveled all around. We, we shot video all over the U.K., had a great time. And, you know, it's one of those trips where even though I'm working, I'm having fun because mm-hmm. I'm telling part of the history and I'm learning things as I'm going. And I think discovering history like that in the, you know, while you're there in front of you and mm-hmm. picturing it and going back in your head in time, especially if you're an avid reader like I am, it's, it's really a, a great destination. So for the U.S. traveler, I don't think there's any issue with continued increases in visitation. If I was the U.K., tourism folks, I would really focus in on the U.S. traveler uh, because, like you said, there's always that issue with the EU and visas. But to your point, that's going to impact those folks that just show up and I can hire them to work in my store. Can't do that, you know, after I think you mentioned 2021. Hmm. But for visitation, it's really no different than it was when I got started in the business in the early 90s. It's it's very easy to get around. And you just have to now will have to deal with a um, immigration uh, process when you enter the country versus just showing up yeah. from another European country. And uh, I can't, I can't uh, fault the folks in Britain because they're the ones who voted for it. And, you know, they had plenty of good reasons to do that. Yeah. We're in Oxford. So there's, I mean, I don't want to say it's 50, 50 cause I, but it's funny. We had a couple over it's for close. dinner yeah. and one voted for Brexit and one voted to remain and I did not and know that while they're dating. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how that happens. And, and, and I was like, don't fear Brexit. We did that, you know, Brexit won 1776. And she just did not think that was funny. I was like, I'm hilarious, but you know, yeah, you uh, know what? It, you got to have a sense of humor. And here's the thing, you know, as you know, if you follow politics here uh, on the other side of the pond, everyone is so amped up. And I just look at people and I go, you know what? When somebody was elected, like let's say in 08, Obama got elected. He said, I'm an entrepreneur. I own a company. I sold my house to start it. My wife has multiple sclerosis, doesn't work. And at the time I started my company and bet my life savings on it at the age of 39, I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old, a wife that doesn't have a job, can't work. And I'm the primary breadwinner. Mm. And I walked away from hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary that I could have earned staying in the traditional media world and uprooted my family to start the company only to find that the state I chose to decided to more than almost double my taxes as I started to, you know, get out of the doldrums. And then the federal income tax went up and then access to banks went down and it was a monumental squeeze that was stretched out far longer than it should have been because of a lot of policies. Hmm. So from a policy standpoint, I didn't have a, I didn't have a baby. I wasn't out there protesting. I was too busy saving my business and building my business. And I think that's most people. I think the people that spend all their time commenting on social media, I call them social media losers because (laughs) they'll say things like Dr. Phil does a stupid show a week and a half ago about tragedy in the tropics about an old story with no facts. And he just reruns clips 
of the no fact-based reporting from three or four months ago. And I'm just sitting there shaking my head. But then when you read the YouTube comments, you're like, well, I, this is why I never leave, you know, you know, Biloxi. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, but most people don't live in the same town and not leave it for, you know, 50 years. You've never, you don't know what a passport is, let alone a passport office, mm. or you've never been on a train, let alone a plane. And so when you've got idiots commenting on things, the idiots tend to drive the news yeah. because what percentage of the world is on Twitter tweeting actively? It's like the tiniest of percentages. But then that's where a lot of these news outlets get their news feeds. And that's how this whole Dominican thing started. And now it just keeps going because of social media. And it really is frustrating. But at the end, you've got to look at it and say, well, what's really happening in the world? The, the, the world, every four years for us, there's going to be an election. And it was, what, eight years of Clinton? It was eight years of Reagan, four years of Bush, eight years of Clinton, mm. eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama. Yep. We had, what, two and a half years of uh, Trump, almost three. Mm -hmm. And he'll either get reelected or he won't. And if he gets reelected, then it'll be eight years of Trump. I guarantee you after Trump, it'll be four years of a Democrat. I know. So it's true. Why drive yourself nuts? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And. I have heard the people, you know, we're trying to talk travel to to Britain, but I have, have I have had people say to me here, I'm not going to the U.S. because of Trump or because of gun policy, and I'm just like, oh, please. But let me talk one more thing before we run out of time. Sure. Um, I don't know how much is coming through in the news for you about Cox and Kings or Thomas Cook. Yep. But yep. But do you see that as a determinant? Sorry, a deterrent for people. Because there are U.S. tour operators that did especially book Cox and Kings. Like this week, Virtuoso dropped them and IATA revoked mm -hmm. their license to sell. So can you talk right. about that, especially as, you know, we have something like 600,000 Thomas Cook, yeah, like travelers stranded or something right now. It's something crazy. Yeah. So the, the Thomas Cook situation over the years has happened with tour operators. So the problem for tour operators, when you book a vacation package with a tour operator, number one, you should always pay with a credit card, right? So if the trip hasn't been fulfilled, there's a way to go back to your credit card company and, you know, basically plead to have the charge uh, reversed from mm -hmm. the credit card company. Mm -hmm. The second thing, obviously, I always tell people buy travel insurance because yep. you'll probably never use it. But if you have it and it protects you in the event of a bankruptcy, and again, I, t I always tell people, talk to a travel agent. I know everyone thinks they can do it themselves. I just read this really stupid article, another uh, what I call moron in the journalism world. And, you know, and people hate me for this. It's like, they're like, oh, that's a, that's, you can't say that. But no, but they're idiots. This guy's like, well, one of the worst professions that's going to go away is travel agents. I was like, okay, I've been hearing that since 1994 when Delta – capped commissions and today the industry is thriving and it's gone from 80 billion to 160 billion in bookings in the last decade and they own the higher end like the mid to higher end market so unless you're going my joke is unless you're going to hooters it's not really a joke <laughs> and you're 22 and all you care about is drinking and throwing up on your shoes on the las vegas strip great do it yourself if you're going to go and you're going to spend any real money and it's really interesting 
the biggest transition to travel agents happens when somebody gets married and is planning a honeymoon. They're like, oh, my God, I don't want to screw this up. Do you know somebody I can talk to? Yep. That's when they get it. Mm-hmm. Or like my sister, she got it when she was in her early 40s because they were trying to have kids. Her and her husband are do-it-yourselfers. But then all of a sudden they adopted two kids and she was ready to blow her brains out. She's like, I don't have time for this. Yep. And then she turned to a travel agent. So it's always interesting when they do that. But to me, if you're looking at a Thomas Cook situation, you want to make sure that you're dealing with a travel professional, travel insurance. And if you've taken care of those things, you should be in good shape. You should have no problem. Now, if you are stuck somewhere, that's going to be up to that provider to fund the cost for your return. And Thomas Cook has been levered up big time. And for months and months and months, there's been talk about them needing to raise money. Mm -hmm. So if you're hearing that there's a financial issue, like you're hearing with Cox and Kings, yet you go ahead and send them a certified check for your trip, that's on you because you're completely ill-informed. And it is buyer beware in that scenario. In the U.S., we have the United States Tour Operators Association, yep. USDOA. They each have to carry a million-dollar bond. Now, that's not going to cover everything, but it tells you that there's a commitment to financial security that the organization requires. And I want to say, in my experience, I only remember one USTOA or maybe two in decades going under. And that's when the organization stepped in, the bond stepped in, and then even some of their previous competitors for these companies stepped in to basically transition because they didn't want to black mark for USTOA members. And so it was kind of like a crowd, almost like a crowdsource funding type mm-hmm. of scenario that um, basically made people whole. So when I look at the marketplace, that's what I would look at. Um, that's Thomas Cook. And you had also mentioned what was the other uh, with Cox and Kings. And they are USTOA the, members. Not, yes, not Thomas exactly Cook, but right. Cox and Kings, yeah. Correct. And with Cox and Kings, you know, you have to look at that marketplace and say, if everyone is saying we're not going to carry them anymore because of financial risk. And again, that's public now. We've written about it. Mm-hmm. It's out in the marketplace. That's why travel agents, if they stay informed, great. If you've got a fly by night, what I call like those multi-level marketing travel agents that aren't really travel agents. Yep. And they're like, yeah, Mary, here you go. They don't know what the hell they're talking about because they're working somewhere else doing this just to make a few extra bucks and they have no expertise. Then you're really setting yourself up as a traveler because you could be one of those folks that get stranded. And man, the financial burn, you lose your vacation time, the stress, it's just not worth it. Travel insurance is really, uh, really key. And I had an employee who flew to Panama, landed coughed as he's getting off the plane, felt a popping in his chest. was like, that was weird. 50-year-old guy, collapsed lung. Oh, my gosh. He had Allianz Travel Insurance, the global assistance, Allianz Global Assistance. And we use that for our employees because a lot of our employees travel every week. And he had just gotten the professional insurance. And I think he had it for two weeks when that happened. And he was taken to the hospital, 100% covered put on a Learjet to fly him to Miami for surgery with a, a medical team, had the surgery, and then like four or five days later, because he still couldn't fly, they put him on an Amtrak train to bring him back to his home in New York so he could recuperate. 
100% paid for. All of it. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I had one of my early guests. They were, they had a women's trip to, I think, Italy, and they were all, you know, it was like a cooking group where they took a whole bunch of women. It was culinary travel. And they had a lady who she just passed out, like mid whatever, and she was in a coma. And in order to get her back into the United States, she had to be medically assisted with a certified nurse who would administer mm-hmm. medicine and oxygen, and her travel insurance paid for all of it. Uh, and it was, yep. it was crazy. And you're talking like, Fifty, seventy-five grand, potentially a hundred thousand dollars—crazy amounts a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, so I mean, I think the takeaway from this is that, you know, if you're investing your dollars, use a travel agent because you have basically a mom or a dad. Essentially, people often often look at them as their children, their clients, because mm-hmm. they 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 care for them. That's you know got to be working on your behalf if you do get stranded somewhere, and also they you know, should have the wherewithal to have this list essentially of preferred suppliers that they know are reputable. Um, And and I would say to pick a travel agent that specializes in the place you want to go to, not just has access to things that they can sell you, but someone that specializes and has been there and knows the property or whatever you're trying to do. So that's kind of my tip there. Oh, one more. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, go. Register for STEP. Absolutely. Yeah, so Smart Traveler Enrollment Program is for U.S.-based, you know, U.S. citizens, but it basically registers mm-hmm. you and your trip with the closest uh, consulate or embassy so that should something go wrong, they have a working list already of people that they're looking for over that date range in that country. And you'll get updates on the country that you're going to. So I get updates for the U.K. frequently on what's happening here, which is almost mm-hmm. nothing, but it's a, another good way to protect yourself when you're traveling. Well, here's a great example. That lady who said she was beat up, and she was, in the Dominican Republic that yeah. started the whole thing, if you recall that. I do. Um, so here's what's really interesting about that story. So the lady said that she got beat up. She came public with it at the end of May. It happened back in January, and she was taken to the hospital there. She, according to, according to everything I know from folks on the ground there that were involved in it, she said she didn't want to file a police report. She immediately tried to sue the resort and the resort's insurance company. When that didn't work out months and months later, that's when she went to the media and made a big stink out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always thought was interesting was why didn't this woman reach out to the, her, her husband reach out to the embassy in Santo Domingo, U.S. Sure. embassy? Why didn't they reach out to the State Department? And why was it hush, hush, hush for months and months and months? And then only five months later did it come out. It doesn't smell right. You know, something just doesn't add up. And the other thing is, if she was in that STEP program, there would have been obviously alerts. She would have known that uh, the Dominican Republic is on a level two warning, which is basically the same as pretty much every city in the, in the world. I think the UK is on um, level two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The whole U.S. is at least a level two. And I want to address your, your thing about the gun violence. Sure. Um, so I, I, I am a uh, I, I had a, a brother um, who was murdered uh, back in 1988. He was 42 oh, at the time, um, 18 years older than me, shot and killed. So I can speak directly that I am not a gun owner, I'm not a member of the NRA. Um, I don't have any desire to have any guns in my house, anything else. However, when I see reporting, and again, it goes back to reporting, and this is being published 
globally, and it hurts inbound tourism in the U.S., they said when the last mass shooting took place that there are more mass shootings in the U.S. this year than there have been days. And you go, what? Hold on a second. How can that possibly be? Well, you have to go look at what constitutes a mass shooting based on that source. Mm -hmm. And that mass shooting, and I may be off by one, but any incident where four people are injured by gunfire in a single incident Mm. counts as a mass shooting. Well, then that means that every weekend in Chicago, in gang territories, we have multiple mass shootings. But you as a tourist do not want to go to that part of Chicago. You never will go. I'm from Chicago originally. That's where I was born. You would never go there. I would have no problem going to Chicago tomorrow. It's a beautiful city. It's fantastic. Great tourism destination. And to your point, you would never go there. I have an apartment in West Harlem. I feel safe there. Have there been, has there been crime there? Yes. But I would not go hang out in East Harlem because it's a very different place Mm. than West Harlem. And so there are areas you go to that are dangerous that, you know, you're taking your life in your hands. And, you know, in in the case of parts of uh, the South side of Chicago, very dangerous, but nobody goes there. It's gang turf wars that are creating these problems. And the problem we have is the reporting is not honest because you're telling the world that you're going to get shot and killed if you come to the United States. And it's the most ridiculous statement because anytime if a police officer has a shootout, two cops pull over, there's guys selling drugs on the corner, there's a shootout and four people get shot in the process and one's a cop and three are gangbangers, that's considered a mass shooting. Does well, that make Mark, any sense to you? No, but I think you just found a new story for traffacts.org. Boom. <laughs> exactly, because it hurts travel. <laughs> and anytime yeah. we don't get the honest reporting, it's, it's, just, it's just so ridiculous because somebody is willing to lie about the facts because they want to get rid of guns in the United States, which means the guy who killed my brother... Um, he was a convicted felon. He, by law, it's against the law, by the way, for a convicted felon to have a gun. Guess what else is against the law? Mm. Killing people. <laughs> Doesn't stop people from killing people. Mm. Um, mm. And you can use cars, trucks, Nice, London, know. Yeah. you know, knives. I mean, it's, and again, I'm not a gun guy. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to take away somebody's right to own a proper firearm. And I think that in the U.S., good luck changing the Constitution uh, to accommodate that. In my opinion, never going to happen. And now it's all about activism. Yeah. All about activism. Get back to rational thinking. Use your brain. It is what it is. So and, come on uh, and visit the States, folks. It's a big place. It's a wonderful, I mean, it's so diverse. That's why I bought an RV. I know. I love the idea. I love the idea. Well, let me quick get uh, your uh, some quick answers before I know we have to close out. But um, no, we're good. Yeah. So people that want to travel to to the UK because I do want to you know be supportive. It's my host country right now. Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we said, there's nothing really to fear. Come on in. The water's fine. If you are traveling from the US, what airline would be your preference? You are on the East Coast. I know so. How would you get here? Mm-hmm. 
So I think that you want to use a reputable airline. I, I, I don't fly airlines like Spirit anymore because yeah. um, I don't want to be in what their former CEO calls pre-reclined seats. Remember the whole knee defender <laughs> chaos from like four yes. years ago because people would, didn't want the chair getting reclined. I thought it reclined. was coming back. She, I thought somebody did something. <laughs> Let's hope not because there were fistfights. But it was it was kind of ironic because I, what I love about Spirit is um, Spirit was my main carrier flying out of Atlantic City when I started my company because it was the cheapest. I had to drive a lot of extra time, 45 extra minutes to get mm. there, but it was $3 a day to park, oh. and it was <laughs> the cheapest ticket, but it was you know, not the, not the greatest experience. But people will buy based on price. You've got a ton of low-cost carriers that fly all around Europe. My nephew, Nick, lives in Sweden now. He's going to school there, and he goes all over. He's like becoming a travel-holic, and all I keep hearing is that he's like, you know, dude, I, 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 $59 round trip to Malta, like, like crazy pricing. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, oh, there are my dogs barking. Um, We're dog at the friendly. same time. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Cause folks, I'm, I'm in the U S right now and, and Megan woke me up at I 6 a.m. to do this. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I've been up since four forty-five. but, um, the airlines I'd fly reputable airlines that are solid financially. So, you can fly any, like, you know, a Lufthansa, you can fly an American, a British Airways, you know, on and on and on. And everybody talks about frequent flyer programs. Frequent flyer programs are irrelevant for the average leisure vacationer mm-hmm. because you're going to fly two or three times a year. And there's no uh, better way to save than looking at different routes, talking to a travel agent and saying, hey, I don't mind a single connection because if I fly, let's say, to Reykjavik, I can even do an Icelandic oh, yes. stopover, mm-hmm. you know, save money on the airfare or take Aer Lingus through Shannon, let's say, and then fly on and do like a little stopover. Get a little taste of what the, uh, you know, what the Irish uh, are doing over there and then continue on or do it on the way back and, you know, spend 24 hours. Uh, go to Dublin for 24 hours type of thing. That to me... A lot of people don't slow it down enough to take advantage of that. And that's something that I didn't do early in my career, but as my career um, got longer and I started thinking, you know what, I'm going to Malaysia and Singapore to shoot video. We could knock this out in seven days. We booked 12. And if we had bad weather, we were covered, but Mm -hmm. we didn't have bad weather. So we got to enjoy ourselves and really have a good time while we worked. And that, to me, is a great tip, but I would use reputable airlines, ones that you know you can trust. Don't worry about earning points or mileage. Worry about getting the best fare, and because there are so many combinations, and if you're flexible with a few extra hours on your travel plans, you might want to fly you know, through Portugal, through Lisbon. You might want to fly uh, Turkish Airlines. Yeah. Through they Istanbul go everywhere. Because, yeah, they're huge and a huge network, and it's going to take you longer but you're going to find that you might save a fortune by doing that, and you may experience a city like Istanbul, which is amazing. Yeah, awesome. Now, would you ever do an alternative way to get to the UK, like a transatlantic cruise? Weird you're saying that, because um, I checked out, I think it was uh, the, the newest canard ship. They just retrofitted it, mm-hmm. and um, they have the dog kennels, and I have two dogs. Yes. And I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool to take my two labs across the pond and spend a couple of weeks over there. And then you'd have to create them back on the plane. 
But yeah, they do that. So you can do a, a transatlantic and you can do it with canard, which is the, you know, the old school traditional, you know, British, you know, proper way to go across yes. or one of the best values in cruising is the crossings that happen in the spring and the fall when they're going from Europe to the uh, Caribbean yep. or from the Caribbean back to Europe. And you can get on a 10, 12 day type of cruise and stop at a couple of places just before you hit your final port. Yeah. And we're talking like, like you could do it for 50, 75 bucks a day per person type of pricing. It's yeah, ridiculous. it's really a great price. We've looked at it a number of times and it's going south. So it's not going across the North Atlantic. And so it's nice, calm waters beautiful waters mm-hmm. and, and a really good price. So if the timing works out for you, that's a good option. But um, I will let you know how the transatlantic with dogs goes because we actually moved here on the Cunard ship on Queen Mary 2. Uh, which nice. Was a, yes, which was amazing. But this time we've now adopted a dog from Romania and she's like this scrappy junkyard dog, but we have her booked into a kennel on the Queen Mary 2. And they're calling her Lady Polly. So Lady Polly, the junkyard dog from <laughs> Romania, is Lady getting Polly. updates from the kennel master who will take care of her during our journey. Uh, but um, yeah, it's yeah. a cool it's a cool experience. They have kind of half of a deck where they can run, and then there's yeah, kennels in there. Yeah. But you do have to book that really early because uh, because I am a travel agent, I get those notifications and I can book before the public release. And so the kennels mm. actually sold out uh, five days into the releasing of the specific sale date that I'm taking. So, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So you, and the bigger dogs, depending on how big they are, will require two kennels. So it just depends. But, yep. uh, it, but as far as you know, a long flight, I think it's a nicer option. So there you go. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd be terrified to put my dogs on a plane. That's why I bought my RV because we go back and forth to Florida. I've gone cross country in it. Yep. And uh, for the, to, to close this out, at least for what I'm doing for you today, yep. is there's so much to see in the United States. I've been to around 80 countries around the world, myself personally. Mm. And I had never seen Savannah, Georgia, Charleston, South Carolina, Tybee Island, Georgia. Yeah. I'd never been to St. Augustine, Florida. And I was just like, I, all I've done is fly over these places. I'm thinking, man, I, I haven't been to Mount Rushmore. There's so many, Mackinac, uh, Mackinac Island up in mm. um, Michigan. There's so many places I want to get to, but you can't have cars or <laughs> RVs in, uh, on that island. But you could certainly park it somewhere else and go for it. Exactly. Or go stay in a beautiful little uh um, boutique, uh, sort of like a B and B type of place. So yeah, there's a lot to do and a lot to see. And I plan on getting as much in as I can. Cause, uh, you know what, you take your health for granted sometimes. And then something happens, which happened to me a few years ago. And I'm like, Whoa, wake up call. I need yeah. to slow it down. And, uh, I'm doing just that and enjoying it a little bit more. Well, Mark, um, I know we're running out of time here. I want to just thank you for your time and, um, and and just looking forward to hearing what your next adventures are and maybe we can do this again sometime i look forward to having you on my podcast Mm. in the weeks ahead so stay tuned wonderful this is megan chapa of travel radio podcasts saying thank you for listening and good night 